As we head into Battle of the Belts 3, Quake by the Lake, we have another episode of AEW Dynamite, which we'll review next on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, we start things off with your favorite wrestler, Orange Cassidy. This time he wrestles Jay Lethal in a pretty competitive match. Goes about 15 minutes. A, a very solid match, but afterwards, Jay Lethal calls out Wardlow, which then Wardlow comes out to the ring, sends everybody out to the floor, and then we find out that it will set up a match for this coming Saturday's Battle of the Belts 3 for the TNT Championship, Wardlow versus Jay Lethal. Uh, your thoughts on the match with Cassidy and the aftermath with Wardlow and Jay Lethal. Well, I certainly don't have to get into my thoughts on Orange Cassidy. The outcome was all but predetermined in my mind. He was not going to get a win over somebody credible yet again. So, um, sells a lot of t-shirts, doesn't win a lot of matches. I guess you can kind of take it from there. Uh, now, what's interesting is this. Orange Cassidy seems to have been on the TV show pretty much every week since the time he wrestled Wardlow. Was that the last time Wardlow's been on Dynamite? Yes. Uh, no, hey, I, on Dynamite, yes. I think he made an appearance on Rampage one time since that. But this in any event, Friday. maybe he's been hide. Maybe he's been hiding out on Dark. Maybe he's been trying to get a uh, a uh, contract from old Paul Levesque over there, over in WWE. Who knows where he's been, been, and who knows what he's been doing? But it's good to see the most over guy in the company for the first time in all of three weeks. So um, definitely reassuring to see him back. Um, believe it or not, I'm actually excited to see what him and Jay Lethal have up their sleeve because this is definitely, at least off the top of my mind, the first prominent feud I think that we're going to see Jay Lethal in in AEW. Um, since well, he's what debuted. about the feud with Samoa Joe? Do you remember it? Did it happen on their main A show, or was it like, hey, we're going to put it on? No, uh, most Ramp of it was I, on Dynamite. God, I don't even remember. Most of it was on Dynamite. It was backstage segments. Most of it. You know, and they were attacking. And Samoa Joe was hurt. Right. So, um, I, I will still say this is his going to be his most prominent feud because it's an AEW show, not a Ring of Honor show. Samoa Joe was out. He was hurt. Samoa Joe's a champion in Ring of Honor for at least the past, what, three weeks. And Wardlow is the most over, or was, I don't know if momentum's been killed, but at one point he was the most over guy in AEW. Dare I say maybe in... Top five in wrestling, most over guys. Can so. you can you really call it a feud though? If it was set up this past Friday, and the TNT Championship is going to happen this coming Saturday, like it's just a week of buildup. That's not really a feud, I would think. A feud, I would think, you know, goes for weeks upon weeks upon weeks and gets paid off either at a big episode of Dynamite or a pay per view. Oh, hold on, hold on, settle down. You got what? yourself all wound up here. You brought up Orange Cassidy and your hatred has blinded you for, for what you're talking about here. I oh. said that this... Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. What hatred of Orange Cassidy? I don't have hatred to Orange Cassidy. You do. I praise Orange Cassidy on a weekly basis on this Bullshit. show. You're the one that... Bullshit. Oh, come on now. <laughs> we don't need to get back into this. I said that I'm looking forward to what will hopefully be uh, Jay Lethal's first feud. So assuming it goes past one week and uh, I just... I pray to God, I almost don't want to throw this out in the universe right now. That big, that big guy, I almost said, I almost dropped an F-bomb, but I know people have been complaining about swearing too much on our show. Satin Nelson Singh? Singh? Satin Satin Singh. Singh, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, 
I pray to God that this doesn't lead to him in a Wardlow match. Like, no, I don't need to see it. I don't care to see it. Jay Lethal, good wrestler. Good on the mic. There's something there. I'd like to see what him and Wardlow have to offer. Him and Dalsam Singh, no thank you. <laughs> Satnam Singh is his name. Platinum Singh, yeah. Yeah. A- anyway, like, the thing with Lethal is people were talking about you know, the test match with Warlow. He needs to have a test match, you know, how he could go in the ring because he's having too many squash matches. And that was the reason why they wanted Orange Cassidy to have that match for, you know, 12 to 15 minutes or whatever and end up being a contested match or whatever. This is the match that it should be. This is really what should have been Wardlow's quote-unquote test match. A guy like Lethal, who's been a seasoned vet, has been wrestling all over the world, like Ring of Honor, Impact, you know, a more recognizable name than Orange Cassidy. I know Orange Cassidy's a much more over talent in AEW right now, but he was not the guy to test Wardlow's in-ring ability. Lethal was, or at least a guy like Lethal, I think. And I feel like this would have been a much bigger match to have and something to build towards if it was longer than a week to build it up. Well, I mean, As, well, especially I, because I you have agree. to build up Lethal a little bit more because most people only think of Lethal right now for his mainly two big matches, which he lost in the match against Samoa Joe and the the last Ric Flair match, which he was the opponent of Ric Flair, and they lost that match. Well. He's probably most notable for his run in Impact or TNA or whatever. No, I'm saying recently. Not I'm not talking about, you know, in his history. I'm talking about recently. Ah, well. Wins and losses matter. Wins and loss and rankings matter too. Yep. They they most certainly do. But let's head on to the next segment here. It is the Undisputed Elite coming back together, talking about this trio's title. Adam Cole, for the first time we've seen him in I think since Forbidden Door. And he goes out there and he says he's still not medically cleared to compete. Kyle O'Reilly technically is not cleared to compete. So he tells the Young Bucks, listen, if you're not going to take Bobby Fish as your third man, you can't take, you can't go after these tag titles or these trios tag titles. And then that creates uh, a turn with O'Reilly and Fish attacking the Bucks. Cole comes in and then the music hits and a big pop from the crowd of Columbus last night where hangman page comes in for the save teasing a reunion of the hung bucks, Adam page and the young bucks going towards these trios championships. I know people wanted Kenny back in this situation. I think a lot of people assumed or speculated they weren't even going to release these titles until Kenny Omega came back. But I think this is a nice little story that we have with hangman revisiting the young bucks, considering if you go all the way back to full gear, you know, that last moment before Paige wins the match, he gets kind of like a, a nod of approval from both Nick and Matt Jackson. And then that was really the last time we saw them on TV together before last week and now this week. Yeah, you know, I know people wanted to see Kenny Omega back. I certainly wanted to see Kenny Omega back. But if he's not healthy, there's really no need to rush him back, number mm-hmm. one. And number two, you're exactly right. This absolutely fits the story that they've been telling over the past couple of years, even going back to, what was it, last week when it seemed like, you know, we were going to get uh, Hangman and the Bucks kind of 
burying the hatchet, suppose, so to speak, before the Dark Order came right. in and interrupted. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with uh, with this at all. It, it makes sense based on one, the fact that you have that dynamic with the Bucks and Hangman, and two, you have the obvious affiliation with uh, Adam Cole, Fish, and O'Reilly, the Undisputed Era, uh, un, uh, artists formerly known as the Undisputed Era, if you will, from uh, the uh, Black and Gold right from. Now- what was that? A couple of years ago? So. Right. Well, they, I guess last year, year and a half, year, year and a half, I guess. Wow. Freaking COVID made time fly. But anyway, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean Kenny's not coming back though, because they could give us the, but therefore part of the storyline that I always talk about where now hangman page and bucks appear to be getting back together, but Kenny Omega comes back. Therefore hangman page joins with the dark order and the young bucks join with Kenny Omega. And that's your first trios championship match. I didn't know this was story time with Adam Cole, baby, <laughs> baby, but it makes a lot of sense. Don't you think? I don't know what you said. I took my headphones off. Well, you shouldn't have because all I was saying was Kenny comes back, joins the bucks. Hangman joins with the dark order. There's uh-huh. your, your trios championship match. I want to know where the number one contender Roosh was this week. Not on TV. Where was Roosh? How does that relevant to this storyline at, at this segment of AEW Dynamite? Well, he opened up the show with old Moxley last week. Number one ranked. Uh, well, he wasn't number one ranked. He was not rankings. number one ranked. He wasn't even ranked. He just was getting that title you match because he won eight matches in a row among three divisions or three promotions or whatever it was. I love PWG. <laughs> I don't think that was one of the three uh, promotions, but let's move on. Let's get back to AEW Dynamite. Tag team women's action next, and not in their usual women's slot at 9.30, kind of the lull before the main event. No, they get put on uh, before the top of the hour here, and it is Thunderstorm versus Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker, and I thought this was a very good match, very hard-hitting. I thought they were pretty... Well, you know, I thought the chemistry between all four of them was pretty good. And, you know, for four women don't that don't necessarily work tag team matches, worked a tag team match better than some of these 17-year veterans that work tag team matches all the time. Uh, what ends up happening, though, Jamie Hayter gets the pin on Thunderstorm, thus getting us to our next match for Battle of the Belts. It will be Jamie Hayter, who was ranked number four heading into tonight, going against Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's Championship. Now, I would not be surprised if, because they kind of hinted this on commentary, that although they just won their first tag team match, Britt and Jamie did not really get along in tag team matches. So was that a seed planted for Jamie Hayter to win the AEW Women's Championship and eventually see Britt Baker versus Jamie Hayter in a title feud? Mm, I don't know if I see Jamie Hayter actually winning the title just yet, if at all, but at least for right now, I don't, I don't think so. Do I think that one way or another, this, this is going to lead to a rift between Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker? Yeah. Britt Baker wants to be the center of attention. They absolutely laid that on pretty thick last night on commentary. Um, and it fits her personality. She surrounds herself with people to, 
uh, protect her when she's the champion, help her out when she needs help and helps, helps ensure she wins a lot of big matches. Um, but I think that once she sees like somebody that's affiliated with her getting uh, contendership matches, challenging for titles and maybe some spotlight, I don't think she's going to like that too much, at least in character form. So that's where I think they're going with this. Well, maybe we'll see how it goes. But I, I definitely I would not be surprised because the other thing, too, with Battle of the Belts, correct me if I'm wrong. I do not think there's there has been a title change in either of the first two Battle of the Belts. I don't think so. So you would You're asking the wrong guy. Yeah, I'm sure someone could let me know in the comment section. Maybe Sammy beating Cody. Oh no. That was that was supposed to be a match. It didn't happen because Cody got COVID. So it was a interim championship match. I think that's the only time a title quote unquote changed hands. But other than that, I think everything else has been retentions. So maybe just for the sheer fact of, hey. We need to get someone to change titles here. They change the titles on the women's division, get people talking about that again, and have Jamie Hayter win and get a feud with Britt Baker because when Britt Baker's not involved in the women's division, unfortunately, it really suffers because there's no real focus in that division as we've seen time and time again, as many people have argued about it. I agree 100%. I mean, look at last night's match. It was very evident and apparent that her, just her being in the match um, brought everybody up to another level. Right. Whether that's because she's simply there and uh, good at what she does or just because things are more interesting when she's in the title picture. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, with wrestling with the top women in AEW. Totally agree. But unfortunately, we did get some bad news last night. Team Taz is officially done. Taz goes on commentary and says, Hobbs, Starks, Hook, they're all going their own separate ways. I'm not affiliated with them. Team Taz is done. Wishes them all the best of luck. Then Powerhouse Hobbs comes out to a nice little new entrance, it looks like. Nice little presentation for him. Does a quick squash match with, I believe his name was Ren Jones. I think it was maybe even his second match ever in AEW. Then Ricky Starks comes out to a huge pop as soon as his music hits, only to get his ass kicked by Powerhouse Hobbs very, very quickly. So this seems like this is the feud. I thought they were going to write Ricky off for a little bit before he came back, but nope, he's right back for revenge, uh, for revenge this week. And I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being an all-out feud, pun intended, that this will end up being on the card. See, I, I'm definitely not going to complain about this, but don't you feel like sometimes things are better if they let them breathe? Like, wouldn't it have yes. been more impactful and kind of built Hobbs up a little bit, made the match a little more important or this feud more important had, you know, he not come back one week after Hobbs literally almost knocked his head off his shoulders. Yeah. Got some wins. I mean, it's not like Hobbs has done a whole lot as far as singles competition, at least on Dynamite. Right. In, in quite some time. So have him win some matches. Ricky can come back. Um, you know what? Honestly, I, it'd almost be cool if Taz was just his mouthpiece, just him. But just powerhouse Hobbs mouthpiece. Just Hobbs. Yeah. I mean, they might. Ricky play, Starks doesn't need somebody. Right. They might need to play. They might play that later down the line. Who knows? Or maybe he becomes Hook's mouthpiece because Hook's not one that talks a lot, at least right now. But that's kind of his aura right now is the fact that he doesn't talk kind of makes people gravitate towards him more kind of like 
Sting in 97 or Goldberg. They didn't talk much. So they just let their in-ring ability do the talking, which sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. With Hook, it works. So, but Powerhouse Hobbs, I could totally see where you're coming from with that. But one guy that definitely has been doing a lot of talking in this feud is Christian Cage. Not a lot of talking in this, this segment, though, because it was a match. Christian Cage against Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy um, gets fooled into getting raked in the eyes before he gets thrown through a table. Led to a kill switch for the victory here on Christian Cage. I thought it was a pretty solid match. Afterwards, we hear the music of Luchasaurus. He gets uh, into the ring. Jungle Boy comes from behind, who was ejected from the building earlier in the night because he almost killed Christian Cage with a car uh, in a backstage interview. So he, we thought Jungle Boy was gone, but he comes back, gets, chases him out of the arena. And that's the segment this week for Christian Cage and Jungle Boy. And the crowd is really behind Jungle Boy right now. And so far, so good on the execution of this feud. Tried to run him over with a car, huh? Attempted murder. Does that fall along the lines of pro wrestling or a little sports entertainment, if you will? Well, I, I, I'm pretty sure Grand Theft Auto, well, things that you would see in the video game Grand Theft Auto are not part of a sport. So that would be sports entertainment. Yeah, well, in any event, you missed the most important thing of uh, Christian's uh, commentary there or the promo that he cut. He said, um, and you definitely couldn't even take this serious. I can't believe Jungle Boy would bring up my personal life in that promo. And then he said something along the lines. I would never so do, I would something, never like do something like that. It's that, just like, what? That's all you did. Right. Well, um, well, that's that's the point. That's the irony of it. That like, dude, you literally did that. Right. And that's kind of like heels do that all the time where they're like, oh, I would never do that. And you're like, dude, you literally just did that. You know, and yeah. it, it's, so, it's easy heat. Like fans will like boo the hell out of that because it's like, you, you asshole, you, you, you liar. We know that you would do that. Look what you've done already with, uh, Jeff Hardy and Luke Perry. You know, it's, it's there. It's easy. So, uh, but yeah, definitely know what you're talking about there. Definitely very important there. So good thing you brought that up. And again, uh, like I said, jungle boy is definitely, you know, gotten the support from the fans. If this is his feud that catapults him to the next level, so far, so good. And I really hope, you know, this leads to a big win at All Out, which I think it does. And, you know, we start talking about him as more than just one of the quote-unquote four pillars of AEW. The four pillows. Not pillows, pillars. But anyway, one guy that it seems like fans are behind, but someone might disagree with is Ethan page who comes on into the ring to cut a promo after this match. And he basically says that he's not on TV enough. The fans get behind him for, you know, calling out his lack of TV time, but then he turns it on the fans. Like you have no reason to talk because you don't buy my t-shirts. You're too busy buying CM punk t-shirts. You're too busy buying orange Cassidy t-shirts and sending them to Ralph's house. Uh, where are all those t-shirts by the way, Ralph? I know you got a few of them in, in the closet somewhere. They're in there. Come on. Bust one out. It's there. No? No? Anyway. Out comes Stokely. Next segment. Next comes Stokely Hathaway, and he gives his business card, walks out of the ring, but then Ethan Page catches up to him, and it looks like they're now joining forces. Apparently, Stokely Hathaway 
did the same thing with Lee Moriarty. So maybe uh, Hathaway not only doing a faction with the women, he is getting a faction here with the men as well with some of these quote-unquote underutilized talent. You're shaking your head over there. Uh, just the thought of forming another faction around some guys that... Do we really need to see more of Lee Moriarty on TV? Look, I know, I know that people love him because, oh, he did such a great in-ring performer, wrestler, what, I mean, whatever. But anyway, let me focus on Ethan Page here. Um, I like Ethan Page. I like Ethan Page a lot. I agree. I think he should be on TV a lot more than he actually is. Here's my problem. And this will be my gripe of the week. I've heard that same promo. I heard that promo last week from Ricky Starks. I'm underutilized. This is my moment, blah, 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 before Hobbs knocked his head off, as we said. I heard MJF cut that same promo before he mysteriously vanished from AWTV, never to be seen again, at least not for now. Uh, MJF did it better. And I heard that same promo from CM Punk when he sat on the top of the stage in WWE. Does it get a reaction? Yes. Is this now the most played out promo with the most predictable content Yes, it is. I've heard that promo a million times. There was nothing wrong with the promo. The content is what I have a problem with. How many times are wrestlers going to come out when they feel like they're not in a certain spot that they feel like they should be in or uh, feel like they're underutilized for whatever reason and say the same exact thing with just different words? I, that's my feeling on it. I know it gets a reaction, but we've heard it, and I've heard it done better by other wrestlers. So... I think he should have came from a different angle with it, but um, that's my opinion of it. Well, hold on. Hold on. It's not just an AEW thing. We have to... You no, know, it's not. It's a no, WWE it's thing too. Any other promotions, they all do the same thing. It's an easy way to get a reaction from the crowd because the crowd understands like these are guys that are underutilized and they want to get on TV more, but I, to your point, it's kind of a crutch to get them on TV by just saying I'm underutilized and I have to show why I'm underutilized. It's it like, where does the story go from there? Most of the time when they do this, most of the time, not all the time, they'll say, oh, this person's underutilized. And then they get utilized for a few weeks and then they're back to, you know, you know, obscurity again. I don't want that happening to Ethan Page. Ethan Page is a good talker for when I've seen him cut promos. Uh, he's a good wrestler for when I've seen him in the ring, but it's too far and in between. He definitely needs to be on TV more. So, I mean, hopefully it's not where this is just uh, a couple weeks with Stokely and then that's it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in that dynamic of it and interested to see where they go with it. Um, but yeah, I just... It, it's the content, like you said, I don't want it to come across like it's I'm griping about an AEW thing. This is in pro wrestling across the board. Uh, I've seen it a million times. I've heard it a million times. I like Ethan Page, and I look forward to seeing him more on TV. Um, as long as it doesn't turn into the Karate Man. No Karate Man. No, I, I really hope that doesn't happen. But next up here, we have the dumpster match between the Ass Boys, Colton and Austin Gunn, going up against the acclaimed and Michael, can you please add some context to this match for our younger uh, audience members? Okay. So for those that weren't alive back at WrestleMania 14, the father of Austin and Colton gun, Billy gun was in a very infamous dumpster match with the new age outlaws against chainsaw, Charlie and cactus Jack. And the story around that, and we saw references to it in this match, especially the end of it 
Um, leading up to the match, Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie got put into a dumpster and the dumpster got thrown off the stage. Similar to what happened at the end of this segment after the match was over. So I'm not, I honestly don't know. I think this got set up on Rampage. I didn't watch Rampage this past week, so I don't know the full context of it, but I'm pretty sure it was just because of Billy Gunn being in that dumpster match and the whole like rap battle that everybody had. And one of them got called garbage or something. It led to this dumpster match. Maybe I'm wrong on the full context of it, but someone could, you know, let me know on Twitter, SCPV podcast or in the comment section here. But that's basically what it was. And the dumpster match that we got was a dumpster match. You basically, it's, it's, like a, ca- a casket match, but instead of a casket, it's a dumpster. And, you know, Mac- Max Caster gets the win here from the mic drop off the top of the stage, gets everybody, uh, both guys in the ring or in the dumpster. Then we see them push it off. But I think most people are talking about the rap that happened after the match started because they, you know, attacked the ass boys really quick. But then Max Caster says, hit my music. And one of the lines was, no filter, we ain't Instagram. We'll make the ass boys retire like Vince McMahon. So another WWE reference in his raps, which he's he does he does them so well. And I know, you know, both do jabs at him. And at times I'm like, you know, enough with the WWE jabs. This one here, I think, is it gets a pop, it gets a reaction, but it's like, who cares at this point? I like Max Caster. I like the acclaimed. If there's a team that I feel might be a little underutilized, it might be it might be them. You know, I'd I like agree. to see them put in a position where they could potentially challenge for the titles or, or carry the titles. That's after FTR wins the titles because they are long overdue for a challenge. Eighteen and weeks a win, in a row, number one, no title match. Right. Right. Here's why. I'll t- look, whether you like this match whether you like this build whether you like this feud here's the one thing i'm going to say about this you and i sometimes are critical on here because there are what seem to be these important matches with high stakes on the line with really no build last week's match with roosh and moxley is probably a good example of it um weekly episodic television stuff that makes you want to watch every week or something that tells a story this has been built up for probably what a good month now uh, at least tension well if you include the fact that they were together before this match and then there was a rift between them uh, probably about three or four weeks ago, it's like it's built built up to this point over the course of the past three or four weeks Mm -hmm. on multiple shows. Um, So I like that because it's like, okay, I've been watching Dynamite every week. Uh, Okay, I remember this from last week. It's not just some... I'll give a perfect example. uh, Rampage Friday. John Moxley's wrestling who? This coming Friday? Yes. Mance Warner. Okay. Unless you're a diehard wrestling fan, do you think uh, a majority of the wrestling fan base knows who he is? I I know who he is. You know who he is. I but, know who he is. But I think those that probably only watch what is on weekly television, AEW and WWE, won't know who he is. Okay. So you it kind of makes the point, like, why? What's the point of that match? Why is that happening with just some random guy uh, that's never wrestled in AEW? So, yes, I like the fact that the acclaimed and the ass boys were built up to this point. 
Uh, the spot at the end of the match could have been really dangerous because the zip ties ripped. Did you notice that when yes. the dumpster flipped completely over? Because yes. definitely could have landed on top of one of them. Hence but why there's all that cushion in the dumpster when they do that spot. Cushion's not on the top of the dumpster, though, so that metal piece, I mean, it was a good match. It was fun. Yeah, it it was. It was a fun match, but, you know, it, it is what it is. It's a dumpster match. It's not. It's sports entertainment, if you will. But speaking of sports entertainment, the sports entertainer himself, Chris Jericho, is in the main event against the Ring of Honor pure champion, Wheeler Yuta. The winner takes on John Moxley at Quake by the Lake next week, which was already you know, accepted by uh, Moxley against Jericho. But then there was this promo segment on Rampage where Yuta was saying he can beat Jericho. And Jericho asked him for a match. Yuta declined. Then Jericho said, I'll put my title spot on the line and Yuta accepted. So that's how we got to this point. And I thought it was a, a, a very good match. Uh, we had 2.0 out, out, out with Jericho, but then... Uh, Claudio Castagnoli comes out to even the odds. Angelo Parker tries to trip Yuta at one point in this match. Aubrey Edwards catches her, catches him in the act. And while trying as hard as she can not to make it focus on her, ejects Angelo Parker and Matt Menard from ringside as Claudio Castagnoli waves goodbye to them. Focus back onto the match itself. We saw, you know, back and forth between both of them, near falls, but eventually it was. Chris Jericho, the Lionheart, winning with the Lion Tamer on Wheeler Yuta. Moxley comes out afterwards as Jericho tries to uh, would not let go of the Lion Tamer. Moxley chases him out of the ring. Jericho gets on the mic and says, "You wanted the Lion uh, Lionheart. You got him. I'm gonna stretch the effing. Uh, I will stretch you out. I guarantee it." That is the closing moment of AEW Dynamite this week. You know. It's a nice, it's a good way to, you know, get people watching AEW Dynamite. This is a big match with two of their big main guys. I expect Moxley to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jericho beats Moxley. And I said this last week too, because you get Jericho, the sports entertainer, going against the flag bearer of quote unquote pro wrestling, CM Punk, which I would think CM Punk is going to be back fairly soon. Before all out, at least that, that was the report a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I really would not be surprised if Jericho ends up being the first two. Uh, actually, no, Moxley oh, is. I guess, yeah, I guess if you count. Yeah, so the second two time AEW champion. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because it does set up that, that dynamic between Punk and Jericho. They have a backstory uh, with that. Not only that, but they have feuded in the past. So. Yeah, this is going to be uh pretty interesting, I think. And um I uh this is one of those things like you want to go into a match where you kind of feel a little unsure. Uh going into this, do I think Moxley will win? Yes, but can I say I'm 100% positive? No. Yeah, I mean, it's not as clear cut, I think, because as I say, you know, the the person that goes over on the go home quote unquote is the one that puts their shoulders to the mat on the big show, the big match. That's not always the case, but that's, I would say, maybe seven or eight times out of ten, that's the case. This might be one of the two times it's not, but it might be one of the eight that it is. And with Moxley chasing Jericho out, I would think that's, you know, while Jericho got the win, 
Moxley did go over in the segment to close out the show. So is that, you know, their way of saying Moxley's getting over here, Jericho wins next week. And, you know, with who knows what happens with the Jericho Appreciation Society, Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti might be back from their, their wedding hiatus. Eddie Kingston might get involved somehow. Does Claudio and Brian Danielson get involved? Does Daniel Garcia get involved? This could turn into a a good match with a clusterfuck ending, honestly. Uh, you hope not, because that's those are that's one of the things that WWE typically pulls that I hate. You know, matches like that, even though it's on dynamite, I I would hope that there's a clear cut winner. And that can have involvement. You know, I have no problem with people coming out and influencing the the outcome of a match. Disqualification, stuff like that. I hate that in matches. And I know it serves its purpose, but um, I think this is probably the most I've looked forward to a Chris Jericho match in quite some time. I'll tell you that much. He looked good last night. He did. He, he did. Look good. That was a better... Grit, granted, Wheeler Yuta, I think, controlled much of the offense and the pace of the match, but um, Jericho held his own. Right. Now, I think what's going to determine the outcome of this match is who's going to be the referee? Because I believe Moxley, for the most part, uses Bryce Remsburg in his <laughs> matches, but Jericho uses Aubrey Edwards in his matches. So who gets the upper hand on their personal referee? And whoever's referee is in that match, I guarantee is going to be the one that wins it. So if Edwards is in the match, then Jericho wins. If Remsburg is the ref, then Moxley wins. I don't know. I, I'm gonna. I'm still gonna lean towards Moxley, no matter who the ref is. I'm not gonna get into conspiracies on such things. That's not a conspiracy theory. It's true. They have their own personal referees. The I've had enough Rick of Knox. conspiracies for the day. That's not I, I listened to Joe Rogan earlier this morning, where um, this guy was trying to convince Joe that uh, I think it was Nixon made a deal with. Uh, forget who it involved allowing aliens to abduct humans. I, I can't do any more conspiracies. I can't, I just can't do it. I guess not. But who do you think wins this AEW world championship match next week? Chris Jericho or John Moxley send us a tweet at SCPB podcast. And don't forget us. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating on all our podcasts of uh, podcast providers. And also subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that bell for notifications. We'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble.